In this episode, how did FDR's dog win him re-election? Did the USSR place a listing device in JFK's dog? And how did one female pirate take on the entire British Navy? Welcome to another episode of Wiki, a Wikipedia podcast hosted by Rob and Orr, your two favorite Irish yarn spinners. Each episode, one of us brings a Wikipedia article that the other has no knowledge of, through which we explore the strange quirks and endearing language of humanity's greatest resource. So I'm not sure you do, but do you have an article for me today, Rob? <laughs> it's funny you should mention, actually, you're. Oh, uh, do you? As I live and breathe, I do. Oh, well, there you are. I brought one with me that I think will tickle your fancy today. Oh, gosh, I hope not. Uh, well, might, might peel the old banana, might uh, juice the old... No. So, Eeyore. <laughs> Eeyore. Tell me. Eeyore, can I ask you one simple question? Have you ever had... Well, I think I know the answer. You, you have never had a pet, have you? you you're a pet. No, well, man. I would say it's not entirely correct. I guess our fish pets. Mm. Well... I, they come up in this article somewhere, perhaps. What, so, what were your fish names? Tommy the Fish mm-hmm. was won by my younger brother in a fair. Good, good. I, I swiftly took responsibility for care and upkeep up until the event of his death. Oh, no. Approximately six months after his acquisition. Oh, no. Yeah. What happened? Car crash. <laughs> It's just not funny. What? <laughs> I don't know. It's just so... I, I would a fish not die? Um... <laughs> Basically, he just, I mean, he just died like a fish. Like, he just died. God, I don't know what to tell you. Died like a fish. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you, Rob. He just, he just left us one day, buried him in the garden. That Uh, was that. Oh, you buried, I was going to ask, did you bury him in the garden or did did you flush him down the old loo? No, 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 no. We, 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 we put him in the vegetable patch. (laughs) That was that. Um, The more I learn learn about your childhood, it really, (laughs) really illuminates. The the reason, yeah, I believe my, my father has a strict aversion to anything feline or canine. Okay, okay. So, in spite of our best wishes as children, no furry friends. Oh, I mean, that, that is a shame. Well, sadly, your father was not keen for any feline, canine, lupine, vulpine, ursine animals running around the house. Thank you. Okay, However, well <laughs> thank you. <laughs> However, what we're going to look at today is United States presidential pets. Ah! Otherwise known as the first pet of the United States. Uh, United States presidents have often kept pets while in office, or pets have been part of their families. Only three presidents have not had pets while in office. You might be able to name one. Trump? Yes, Trump did not have any pets. I, I couldn't quite find a reason. I don't know. I might be allergic or something. Maybe it was just sort of his lack of soul. No. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I'll <laughs> Stick do with that. Uh, Scott Political. <laughs> Took his six episodes, but here we are. I'll give you a little rundown of the section entitled History of White House Pets. And then after that, there is a list of presidential pets, some of which have some uh, humorous little asides and humorous little quotes and Mm. names, which I should get into shortly. The first White House dog to receive regular newspaper coverage was Warren G. Harding's dog, Laddie Boy. Not Lady Boy, as I I first read it to my my peril. Oh, dear. I like Laddie Boy. Interesting. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue, Matt. Well, ah, well. Get used to that because some of the names that we will come across shortly, I mean, the RSPCA would be involved in the (laughs) state of some of these names. It goes into a little bit about how president's pets come to be a a topic and a topic Mm. of interest. In 1944, Franklin D. Roosevelt was running for his fourth term when rumours surfaced that his Scottish terrier Fowler had accidentally been left behind when visiting the Aleutian Islands. After allegedly sending back ships to rescue his dog, Roosevelt was... Ships? Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, he was... It's a dog! He was (laughs) ridden... 
the canoe. <laughs> he was ridiculed and accused for spending thousands of taxpayers' dollars to retrieve his dog. A speech following this, Roosevelt said, You can criticise me, my wife, and my family, but you cannot criticise my little dog. He's Scottish, and all these allegations about spending all this money have just made his little soul furious. <laughs> I like that. I like that he went for fury. Yeah, the emotion. Yeah. Well, to be fair, a, Scot- a Scottish terrier can exhibit unbound fury. Oh, you? indeed. And it says as well what what was later called the Fowler speech reportedly helped secure re-election for really. Reason. So oh, people, people it's quite really endearing, it. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know. Um, on the slight opposite end, we have uh, Richard Nixon. Mm. Richard Nixon was accused of hiding a secret slush fund during his candidacy for vice president under Eisenhower in 1952. He gave the televised Checkers speech, named after his cocker spaniel, denying he had a slush fund, but admitting... there. Uh, should I do the Nixon impression? I, I think, why not? Come on. Oh. There's one thing that I'd... No, no, Scott, no, yeah, stop, yeah, it's God, leave not, it, leave it. We'll save it for your Bill Clinton, Rob. We're all looking forward to that. <laughs> well, I, I bet Bill Clinton had a menagerie. Uh, he gave the televised checker speech, named after his cocker spaniel, denying, oh. he had sl- denying he had a slush fund, but admitting, there was one thing that I did get as a gift that I'm not going to give back. The gift was a cocker spaniel, checkers, given to his daughters. Although there had been talk of Nixon being dropped from the ticket... Following the speech, he received an increase in support and Eisenhower's wife reportedly recommended he stay because he was such a warm person. Richard Nixon. A warm, oh, well, such, he is. A famously warm A real person. cuddly bear, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, well, yes, indeed, yeah. Uh, <laughs> quite good because Richard Nixon, as such a warm person, would later sit opposite uh, Frost. I, I, you see, I see what you did there, but it's it's just... it's Nothing? It's, it's beyond, beyond me, Rob. You're not biting? It's beyond me. So we'll, we have two examples here of presidents that were kind of... The public were uh, or on their side when it came to animals. However, mm-hmm. animal lovers were upset when President Lyndon B. Johnson was photographed lifting his beagles named him and her... Yeah, really. Wow. The effort. Uh, he was lifting them up by their ears. So like having them on like... Oh their, my God! Yeah, holding them up like on their back legs. He was holding them up with their ears. So... Others did not upstand the uproar, and now this is fortunate because he did receive support from another warm man, famous for his uh, compassionate response to conflict, uh, Truman, who oh, said, yes. uh, Truman said, what the hell are critics complaining about? That's how you handle hounds. And I think if, it, <laughs> if anyone would... Know. That's how you handle the hounds. If any, well, I, yeah. <laughs> Referring if, to them as hounds if as any, well. If anyone has a light touch, it's Harry S. Truman. <laughs> yeah, so. God. So. <laughs> Bill Clinton. Moved into the White House. Oh. Do you know the name of Bill Clinton's cat? Geraldine. No. Bill Clinton moved into White House with socks. That's I did nice. know that. He was later joined in 1997 by Buddy, a Labrador retriever, during a second term. The two reportedly did not get along. Oh, dear. With Clinton later saying... Clash in the White House. <laughs> the two reportedly did not get along with Clinton later saying... I did better with the Palestinians and the Israelis than I've done with socks and buddy. <laughs> oh, you do it well. You That's do it well. <laughs> Bill always has a nice sound bite. For oh, he does. He's, he's good value as Bill. Joe and Jill Biden moved into the White House with two German separates, Champ and Major. Although oh. it's not been a triumphant return uh, of K and I to the White House because, of course, sadly, Champ did pass away and Major was reportedly snapping and biting at people in the corridors. Oh, so dear. So has been sent back to the Biden family home and not... <laughs> so, so he no longer is a terror oh, he's being demoted to corporal <laughs> yeah, well, that's good that's good that's good there's a huge exhaustive list of presidential pets yeah and i want to go through and just give it give a few to you that i like to saw. so yeah detail yeah i think george washington is quite good because it gives a sample of some of the unusual names that they gave pets back then so 
George Washington had three American foxhounds, Sweet Lips, Scentwell, and Vulcan. Three very, very disparate Makes names. me unnerved. Yeah, I don't like the idea of Sweet Lips. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like it either. Sweet lips sounds like the Joe Biden, like whisper in your ear. It's like, yeah, yeah, no yeah, sweet yeah. lips. I don't, like, I don't like the sound of that. He had black and tan coonhounds, drunkard, taster, tippler, and tipsy. I don't know. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so odd. I know, it's very strange. Yeah. Although he did have a stallion called Leonidas. Oh, no way. <laughs> so, so that brings it all back around. <laughs> oh, my word. Leonidas, the, the stallion. stallion. <laughs> My pet stallion. Well, following on from Washington, John Adams had yep. three dogs. Juno, it's quite a cool name. Yeah. Uh, Mark. I love Mark. Honestly, there's yeah. nothing I love more than pets with human I'm, names. I am, I am so on board, it's not funny. I, this, this dog, is, the dog should be named Ian. Yeah, exactly. This is my dog. This is, I, would, I, was, I was staying somewhere a couple of weeks ago, Rob, and we were staying with a woman. And she had a dog called Norman. Yes. <laughs> Come here, Norman. Norman that- Norman owns a car garage in Swindon. Norman's not a dog. <laughs> That's how it should be. That's absolutely how it should be. Yeah. Forget all this, like, you know, Fido, Rover, whatever. Yeah, exactly. No. What, what are you going to call it? Jason. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. I love it so much. Um, yeah. However, John was thinking, well, you know, I've got a dog with a normal name. I need to give him one with a completely, <laughs> completely <laughs> random name. So he had Juno, Mark, and Satan. Oh my God! Satan, Satan the dog. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not know. Now, Andrew Jackson. Do you know what kind of animal Andrew Jackson had? Hi. No, no, you do know this. An animal that caused a particular amount of uproar at his funeral. Do you? is it is it a rooster? Not quite. It's a bur- a parrot. A parrot. He had a parrot. Oh. He had a parrot named Polly. A yeah. gray parrot who Andrew Jackson taught how to swear on command. Polly later attended Jackson's funeral but had to be removed due to loud and persistent profanity. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, I mean for God's sake, I mean, come on. <laughs> Millard Fillmore had two ponies named Mason and Dixon, as the Mason-Dixon line, which is clever. Quite yeah. like that. It's quite like that. Franklin Pierce kept two birds from Japan in his spare room. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, you know, <laughs> moving on. What? <laughs> moving on. Um, Lincoln had some nice ones. Lincoln had a, a horse named Old Bob, which I, oh, think, which I think is lovely. Old Bob. There's a, there's a lovely photo here of Old Bob wearing the his mourning blanket at Lincoln's funeral. Oh, dear. A mourning blanket. I know. Oh, oh, oh. I know. I heard that as a morning blanket. As well, a, as a, yeah, well, the one you had an afternoon the morning, yeah. blanket. <laughs> oh, the decadence. How old was old Bob? <laughs> the decadence to have a morning and afternoon blanket. So sensitive, he needs a couple of blankets. <laughs> Do you know which president was famously a bit of a wild man who was very much uh, a fan of animals? Teddy Roosevelt. Very good. So we get to Theodore Roosevelt, who had a, a literal menagerie of, of Oh, I'm animals. sure he did. So... He had just just this is not an exhaustive list. I will I will read you a few of the animals that he had. So he had a lizard named Bill the Lizard, but not just <laughs> full name Bill the Lizard. Just great. That's so funny. A garter snake named Emily Spinach. Oh, very good. This is great. A pony. Emily Spinach. Yep. A small black bear named Jonathan Edwards. Oh, very good. <laughs> I love that it had a second name. Lord knows. <laughs> He had a piebald rat, he had a badger, cats, a laughing hyena, a barn owl, and a one-legged rooster named Fierce. Oh, beautiful. Which is lovely. His guinea pigs were named Admiral Dewey, 
oh. B- Bishop Doan, Dr. Johnson, Father O'Grady, and Fighting Bob Evans. That is so... <laughs> Roosevelt did not waste any evening of his life. He sat Fighting there thinking, Bob what, Evans. what can I... What can I name my animals? There are some nice photos here as well with Theodore with his various animals. There's a very nice illustration of... Let's see. It's a illustration of Theodore Roosevelt with his wife at a White House dinner mm-hmm. with slippers, the White House cats, lying, just lying... Oh, it's beautiful. ...lounging, and people are just looking at it and going, oh, it's very nice. It's lovely. Oh, they all look great. Some things never change. Calvin and Coolidge had... 13 Pekin ducks that were received as an Easter gift. Mrs. Coolidge attempted to raise them in the White House bathroom, but oh eventually my. sent them to a zoo. So you can imagine... <laughs> you can imagine, The flapping, the feathers! You can imagine Calvin has had a long day. Oh, he, dear. He, he's, he's had an absolute nightmare in Congress. He's getting he's getting absolutely speared. Yeah, exactly. He goes back in. He wants to have a nice sit-down on the throne. <laughs> Just get, gets in. <laughs> oh, bloody hell again! <laughs> Just, Just all over. Oh, dear. Rustling his paper, trying to get them away. <laughs> Which I just what was oh no no what was she thinking? No disrespect to the lovely Mrs. Coolidge, but thirteen <laughs> ducklings in a bathroom. Well, I don't know. Maybe she. I I don't know. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound like a good idea. Oh well, yeah. Well, well, maybe Coolidge did deserve it because he had two lion cubs from Johannesburg named Tax Reduction and Budget Bureau. Oh so, my word! So I I hope the ducks did a massive poo on his head when he, <laughs> when he was in the toilet. <laughs> William Howard Taft had... <laughs> big Billy Taft. Yes, so <laughs> so big Willie Taft indeed. He had two cows named Mully Woolly and Pauline Wayne. Now, unfortunately, quote here, Mully, Mully Woolly... <laughs> Mully Woolly provided milk for the first family for a year and a half before suddenly dying in 1910, reportedly after eating too many oats. Oh, <laughs> too many oats. <laughs> too many oats, not what you want. Yes, um, <laughs> I know. JFK had a good few pets. Uh, I'd like to draw attention to two in particular. So he had a Connemara pony, which was a gift from President of Ireland at the time, Eamon de Valera. Oh, there you are. So JFK obviously had Irish ancestry. So you think, oh, he must be able to pick a really good, cool name for for an Irish horse. What's the worst name you could ever give something Irish? Oh. No. Yep. Leprechaun. Leprechaun. Oh, my God. Seriously, I lost... So much respect for JFK when I read that. What Le- the hell? Leprechaun, the pony. I bet De Valera, I bet De Valera wanted to just nut him. Yeah, just, just take it back. <laughs> no, I didn't give that to Box you, Box him in the nose. Like, stop that. Although. That's crazy. JFK also owned a small dog by the name Pushinka, who was a gift from Nikita Khrushchev. Oh, interesting. So. Look at all these gifts appearing. I know. Great. This. So, obviously, this was at the time when we couldn't. We still weren't trusting of our of our Russian friends oh, over, the, no. over the seas. Oh, no. So, Pashinka arrived at the Kennedy White House after Jackie Kennedy had spoken to Khrushchev about, about Strelka, who was Pashinka's mother, who was one of the dogs who was launched into space. Oh. So, after, after Laika, who unfortunately did not survive, the Russians also sent over other dogs who did actually come down and survive, including Strelka. Amazing. So, Mrs. Kennedy asked about Strelka's puppies, and one was subsequently sent by Khrushchev to the White House. Pashinka was examined by the CIA oh, of course. over fears she may be concealing an implanted listening device. Oh, my God. Pashinka was x-rayed, screened with a, with, a, with a magnetometer, and inspected with a sonogram. She was found to be free of any subversive devices. Oh. Which, I mean, come on. 
yeah, I was gonna. I mean, I mean, you know, Khrushchev. I mean, he had his flaws, but yeah, let's 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 give the man some juice. Come on, now, you're not going to put a wire in a, in a, in a poor dog. <laughs> It's not what you want. Just to finish us off, Lincoln had two cats, Tabby and Dixie. Lincoln once remarked that Dixie is smarter than my whole cabinet. Oh, which my is, God. Which is lovely. I like that. That's, that's, that's good. Um, do, you have a, do you have a favorite of those, Eeyore? Who was your favorite? I like Emily Spinach. <laughs> the garter snake, yeah? I just think that's funny. Mm. That big Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> which I love. Um, and, and also just fighting Bill. What's yeah. his name? Fighting Bill Evans. Uh, fighting Bob Evans. Fighting Fight. Bob Evans. <laughs> which is, yeah, which is amazing. So there you are, Eeyore. I'm glad you enjoyed that one. Wow. Well, that was really interesting, Rob. Do you mm. have any final thoughts? Well, Eeyore, I was thinking as a final thought, it's a shame that Calvin Coolidge did not have a group of owls in his bathroom because the collective down for owl is a parliament. Nothing. Nothing at all. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Well, thank you for that, uh, Rob. I'm sure I'm, 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 I'm trying my best every week. And what do I get? <laughs> what do I get? <laughs> Eeyore, I've heard a little birdie tell me that you have an article for me today as well. Yes, I do. No, I I don't quite have the canon of of presidential animals that you <laughs> you've just regaled me with, but I bet Coolidge wanted to fit all those ducks in a cannon and <laughs> blow them off. Anyway, go on. Um, but you're a man of history. I am. Yes. You're you're a scholar of the past. I am. Yes. And I was wondering if you were familiar with the golden age of piracy. <laughs> okay, so I've got two thoughts. Is this yo ho ho bottle of rum pirates, or is this pirate bay pirates? This is yo ho ho bottle of rum. Excellent. I'm delighted. Okay, so, I- I'm intrigued. This gets my award for Wikipedia's biggest blown opportunity. Oh no! I've ever read the Golden Age of Piracy. Right. <laughs> it should be called the Golden Age of Pedantry. No. <laughs> and you'll just, just even <laughs> listen to this. Right. right. The first couple of words: the Golden Age of Piracy is a common designation of the period between the 1650s and 1730s, when maritime piracy was a significant factor in the histories of the Caribbean, the United Kingdom, the Indian Ocean, North America, and West Africa. Uh, uh. It's pirates. <laughs> Come on! Honestly. Histories of piracy often subdivide the golden age into three periods. The buccaneering period. This is gold. What are they doing? How are they how are they taking it's called the buccaneering period? Approximately 1650 to 1680, characterized by Anglo-French seamen based in Jamaica and Tortuga attacking Spanish colonies. (laughs) The buccaneering period. The second one. The second one is the pirate round. Okay. Which is in the 1690s. Long distance voyages from the Americas to rob Muslim and East India Company targets in the Indian Ocean. Okay, okay. And then the post-Spanish succession period. Right, okay. (laughs) I mean, mean, yeah. I mean, one of these is not like the other. uh, The buccaneering period. Come on. Yeah. No, exactly. It's, it's, I've no idea how they've broken this down, but, but we'll find out. So... What I should have realised when I saw this Wikipedia article, and obviously I was incredibly excited, is a Wikipedia article on the golden age of piracy. Mm-hmm. It's a Wikipedia article on the name of the golden age. <laughs> There's a whole section dedicated towards <laughs> the trend towards narrower definitions. Right. So it was described as being at its height from 1680 to 1730. 
No, this is a slight reduction of 1650 to 1730. Right, okay. Okay. And then, then we get now the golden age from another historian who's barely 30 years, starting at the close of the 17th century, ending at the first quarter of the 18th. How have they made How have they done this? So boring. <laughs> How have they taken the golden age of piracy? Ugh. And turned it into this horrible infighting God. about whether or not it was a golden age. These nerds just I gathered just, together. I can't like, believe it, it reads like a university essay, Rob. It, oh, no. Oh, I, I wanted to know about I was, Buccaneering I was, and This is why I'm taking you through. I was so excited. I thought the golden... I was like, I'll find it. I'll find the one. I'll find oh, it. I'm and then here I am, <laughs> dancing around my definitions. Oh, and to be honest, I'm not going to bore you with the history because that's what it literally is. It's back and forth, in and out, by sort of the definitions of whether or not oh. we're, we are truly in the buccaneering period or not. However, thankfully, oh. clearly there was a, a hero who gave us an edit at the bottom. Ah. Pirates of the era. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I am all in. Here we go. <laughs> Many of the best known pirates originate from the golden age of pirates. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> well, so this pseudo golden age. <laughs> Black Sam Ballamy, captain of the Huida Galley was lost in a storm off Cape Cod in 1717. Bellamy was popularly known as the Robin Hood of pirates and prided himself on his ideological justifications for piracy. I love I love this ideological... <laughs> it's, it's clearly written by... Whoever wrote this knew a lot about pirates, yeah. but clearly just had no fun of it. Yeah. Just didn't just didn't didn't want anyone to enjoy it. Oh, yeah, how, yeah. Well, I don't, so, he, sorry, he had an ideological view of why he was a pirate it was very much robbing from the rich giving to the poor okay you know it's just so interesting what they choose to pull out here mm -hmm. it's william fly <laughs> will it fly pretty fly whose execution in 1726 is used by historian marcus redeker to mark the end of the golden age of pirates what uh, what, but, what sorry can we learn more? what can, why was he he was the golden age so with his, his death the golden with age his ended. death the golden age came to a close William Fly's career as a pirate began when he signed out to sail with Captain John Green to West Africa. John Green? You reckon he was looking for Alaska when he was sailing? Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear. <laughs> anyway, ultimately, 12th on the list, Blackbeard. <laughs> I, I know that one. How does he... I just don't get it. It's just clearly not, not written for human consumption. Active from 1716 to 1718. Only two years active. Really? Perhaps the most notorious pirate among the English-speaking nations. So, obviously, you've got this article, and it's about all these pirates in the Golden Age. Mm -hmm. And I think they've made a huge omission. <sighs> let me tell you oh. about... And pardon me. Let me tell you about Jean Esau. Jean Esau? Yeah. Okay. This, now we're started on the Wikipedia article. Okay, okay. <laughs> Listen to this for a first sentence. Zhen Yisao was a Chinese pirate leader who terrorized the South China Sea from 1807 to 1810. Zhen Yisao was an honorific bestowed on her oh. by the people of Guangdong. She was the unofficial commander of the Guangdong Pirate Confederation, which composed of between 40 and 60,000 pirates in 1805. Her what? ships entered into conflict with major powers such as the East End India Company, the Qing Dynasty, and the Portuguese Empire. No way. <laughs> Why is this not in the article? Well, give me, yeah. 
So this, so this, this is from a separate article. This is. This is. I found Jenny. Right. In my in my dives in my rabbit hole. Yeah. And I thought, wow. Well, if this is good, do I want to read about the golden age of piracy? Wow. So Jenny Sao was born, basically in Guangdong to nothing. Mm. She worked as a prostitute oh, wow. on a floating brothel. Oh God. And it's <laughs> not what you want to be. <laughs> no. And married. Jen E. So Jenny Sao means the wife of Jenny. Okay, okay. Classic. You still, uh, well, she was the leader of the largest bloody pirate empire of yeah, all time. Yeah. Still known as Jenny's wife. Oh, God. It's crazy. So Jenny was a privateer who had quite a large army, but not a huge one. And he died under mysterious circumstances. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the 16th of November, 1807, Jenny fell overboard and died at the age of 42. Mm. Jenny Sao quickly took over her deceased husband's operations. <laughs> I'm liking this. Jenny Sao also balanced the various factions in the Confederation and pressed the youth into piracy at a young age. <laughs> hey, kids. Want to get into piracy? Want to get some doubloons? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like she, so, she's in like a, she's in like a, an alleyway and like opens her jacket and it's just like a load yeah like um, yeah, exactly. a, a wheel <laughs> a hook hand yeah. so in 1808 after Jenny Sao took power the pirate confederation became significantly more active she got her army to 80,000 is what it says here Wow. So so it seems like she was very she was a very good diplomat in being able to bring different exactly. tribes together well, under it. one roof. So what she did was she managed to collect all the pirate factions mm. of Asia wow. into this one pirate confederacy under her own government. But interestingly, there were three codes of the pirate red flag fleet attributed to Jenny. Okay. One. If any pirate goes privately on shore, he shall be taken, his ears mutilated, and he will be paraded around the fleet. What? What? Just for going, just for going to shore? Completely random, given these other two rules. Oh God! Okay. <laughs> All plundered goods shall be registered. <laughs> the pirate receives for himself, out of ten parts, only two, and eight parts belong to the storehouse. So what she did was she built a micro-economy <laughs> with 80% tax. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, when you said that there were the three codes, I was really hoping that they would be super cool. Yeah, you know? yeah like... Do we, your best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, give your all. But no, it's like, look, so if you bring back any good stuff, we need to make sure it goes to the right, <laughs> she, the right she made avenues. a piracy welfare state. <laughs> well, I mean, that, well, that's interesting in and of itself. It's just not what I was expecting. Yeah. And then... Women captured from villages shall not be harmed or harassed. Oh, good. All women captives shall be registered, their place of origin recorded, and be given separate quarters. Those who raped or committed adultery of women captives will be executed immediately. Wow. Okay. Wow. So very interesting, right? To see her... That's not the image that we have of pirates, is it really? It's more like free-for-all, you know, excess, whereas this was a real... Do we even call this... I don't know. To even call this pirate, this is just Are you debating <laughs> whether or not this is piracy, Rob? <laughs> I've, I've no, become look. what I hate is. Is this why it happens? Maybe maybe the study of piracy turns you into this kind of person. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. You I get, can't believe you just asked yeah. <laughs> You get into it with, yeah, like airs and graces of like, oh, you know, going to get a look at the hook hands and, par- and parrots and the next yeah. thing you know. Like, so you know there's 80,000 people paying huge tax. <laughs> By the end of 1809, the tides returned against Jenny Sao and the Pirate Confederation, no unfortunately. So they had, their <laughs> they had their year of 1808, where they basically took over a lot of South China. And they had 
this whole pirate confederation that, that sort of governed the seas. But then, unfortunately, Guao Padai, leader of the Black Flag Fleet. Oh. I mean, these oh. it's how cool is that? That's... I just can't get over it. Refused to reinforce Jenny in a battle. I, I bet one of those nerds at the beginning were like, actually, the flag was more of a uh, vermilion colour. It's technically not actually a black flag. <laughs> Basically... The Chinese were fighting against her. Then the Portuguese and the British also officially joined the, joined the fray. On September 15, 1809, British country ship Mercury joined 60 warships, all to take down this pirate army. And basically, all of those combined, plus the organizational limit of the Pirate Confederation, brought it to an end. So, Jenny Zhao surrendered in 1810. Oh my God. With the British, the Portuguese, yeah. and the Chinese bearing down on top of her. It must have been a phenomenal sight. Bloody hell, wow. Interestingly, after surrendering, she just returned to Guangdong. Oh, wait, what? what was she not? So, she wasn't killed. Oh, wow. She lived a peaceful life. She was never prosecuted? <laughs> As the proprietor of an infamous gambling house somewhere in Guangdong. She went for how crazy is that? I mean that 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 was that was eighteen that was the eighteen hundreds. She went from being pirate lord to just just to run in the bookies. <laughs> what? Well, and they never sought to prosecute her or to kill her. So even. my suspicion, reading between the lines, is maybe there's some kind of deal struck. Right. Okay. You know, someone with that oh. level of you know with that kind of leverage, Rob. You know what yeah, I mean? Well, I, yeah. You can't you can't believe that Jenny would go quietly, no, well, especially yeah. given her kind of her clear mastery of negotiating people. And I mean, in order to be able to run a pirate confederacy of eighty thousand pirates. Mm. And simultaneously negotiate with these foreign powers coming from a background of, of basically nothing, yeah. being on a floating brothel. Yeah, God. She lived out the rest of her life and died age 69 as the proprietor <laughs> of an infamous gambling house mm. in, in Guangdong. Yeah. So I just thought that there was, a, there was a couple of interesting things going on there. You know, between the sheer kind of Wikipedia classic of absolutely blowing the lead <laughs> with um, the golden age of piracy, not including anything about Jeanne who was around at the same time. Yeah. And arguably, I would say, a confederated 80,000-strong crew of thousands of ships yeah. probably constitutes a bit of a golden age to me. But anyway, Rob, I yes. find that so interesting, and I felt it was a fitting article for, for my final contribution for this season. That was wonderful stuff for you. Well, I'm left with the burning question of would Jenny's 80,000-strong have defeated the Pepsi Foreign Legion? Oh, <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> the armies of history. <laughs> Two great warriors. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode. If you want to listen more, you can get your dose of Wicked anywhere you get your podcasts or on wicked.simplecast.com. That's W-I-K-I-D dot simplecast.com. If you want to get in touch with us, don't hesitate to direct your hate mail towards wickedpodcast at gmail.com or at wickedpod on Twitter. Until next time, stay wicked. What does that mean again? I don't know.